All right, so we got uh, Gia on the line. Thank you for joining, man. How's it going? Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. Everything going very well. Thank you for asking. What about you? Yeah, all good, all good. You know, dealing with the pandemic and uh, the lockdown here in, in Toronto. You're in London or? Yeah, I'm, I'm near London. I'm, I'm in Coventry. I'm near London uh, because I, I attend the university, Warwick University, which is about one hour train from London. But, but yeah, as you say, here also we are dealing with the COVID-19 and the pandemic, national lockdown. Uh, but we are here, hopefully, to give some uh, encouraging messages to people who are listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. I, I was looking over, you know, some of the things that you've done, uh, your your studies of, of different startups and, uh, and various market insights, as well as, you know, uh, some of the workshops that you hosted uh, at, at Warwick University. I want to know more about that. So for those who are listening, can you tell us what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, right now I'm a student at the University of Warwick and I study this very niche course, which is called Digital Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Now it's a very small course and there are just a small cohort of students. And what we study is literally about uh, the world of startups. Uh, and that's why I chose this course because I'm very obsessed with innovation and I love talking and learning about new startups and new disruptive innovations, really. And so what we learn is all about uh, from starting the founding team for your startups and your venture. But also we touch on venture capital. Uh, we study how startups become successful and all the kind of stuff. And uh, at the University of Warwick, I'm also covering the role as innovation fellow. And as Innovation Fellow, what's my role is, is all about trying to help students to become entrepreneurs or at least learning the entrepreneurial skills that can be useful for them to start their own journey. And as you were saying, like I run a couple of workshops, I focus a lot on design thinking because I think design thinking is something very important as well that allows people to use idea generations in a different way and really be empathetic of their customers or the target audience. And that enables really a process of creation of the product or the service, which is much more effective than a normal way. Interesting. Okay, so I obviously have a lot of questions. I wanted to know, first of all, when you say you study startups and it's cool startups, as, as you say, is it only within the finance, financial and the tech industry or does this span across different industries as well? It does, it does span across many different industries. We don't just look at the finance sector. Uh, of course, the fintech sector is very strong in London and there are some modules, specific modules that focuses mainly on fintech. But, but we try to look at startups on a more general level. So we, we try also to understand how entrepreneurs feel when they start uh, startups and how they feel along the journey. So we talk about also something that is called uh, fail of, um, fear of failure. So some entrepreneurs really like struggle because they feel like uh, uh, they fear of failing their startups and they don't know like uh, how their failure is accepted between the, within their communities. Uh, so no, we don't focus on uh, specific industry but we try to be very general and uh, on that sense i see interesting so what are some of the patterns that you've seen in across different startups <clears throat> when it comes to their short-term success because it seems like 
there are a lot of startups who um, you know uh, drown or fade away in the in the early years of of forming yeah sure that's that's a good question actually so uh, when I talk to people and students usually like uh, a lot of people put a lot of attention on the idea uh, the funding idea of the startups but some research showed that actually the idea is not the most important thing there are some TED talks explaining this as well uh, one of the most important thing uh, for the success of the startups is first of all the timing uh, there have been cases in the past where there were very promising startups who failed just because they were too ahead of, of the current context. Uh, I'm just thinking, I don't know, Yahoo, uh, and then was overthrown by Google, mm-hmm. uh, or also YouTube. Uh, getting the timing right is crucial for your startups to be adopted by the community and by the masses. Uh, the second most important factor then is the founding team. When you try to kind of gather your founding team and build up the founding team, you really need to go for the most talented people you can find in the job market. And that's because uh, one, uh, the right funding team will allow you to raise capital much easier. So if uh, your funding team has a diverse set of skills mm-hmm. and each one of you can really take care of a different uh, area of the business and of the startups. That really makes your startup idea uh, look much stronger from a VC perspective, especially if you have a past background in the sector you are focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two are very important, uh, certainly. So, uh, so the timing and the founding team. They're, the they're the, the timing good. and the founding team, yeah. Uh, and there's a good say of saying like, uh, you, you can have an idea which is worth 100 and a team worth 50. And then on the other side, an idea worth 50 and a team worth 100. Probably the idea worth 50 is going to be successful because behind it, there's a team which is worth 100. Uh, so definitely go for a very good founding team and try to get correct the timing. Interesting. So, you know, talking about the founding, <clears throat> founding team, like you said, there needs to be a good spread of skills across, right? Yes. Okay. And, and from a VC perspective, you said you'll get more funding if, if, the, if the team is right. So how do you go about, you know, finding a good team? Is it really a matter of the people that you, you've known for a long time? Or would you think that it's good to work with new people and and people that you haven't worked with before? Yeah, sure. That's a good, another good question, really. Um, Of course, if you have some people who you know for a long time, who you've been uh, like uh, in contact for a long time, that could create some synergies that are very good for the startups. Uh, But at the same time, like the startup journey is a very difficult one. And sometimes also like long lasting friendship can be kind of like ended abruptly because of startups problems and startups issues. There's a lot of stress going on during a startup. So there's, there's no very right answer or uh, wrong answer. Uh, the main thing is like, you need to understand uh, the value proposition of your startup and you need to prioritize what are the main important aspects that you need to cover to make the idea and uh, a reality and execute it. And that's what really VC wants to see 
they just do, they don't just want to see a good idea. They want to see the team able to execute that idea uh, till the end. Uh, it's good. Like at the beginning, you can also like probably it's better and it's easier to look for connections that you have. But by in the long term, if you want to attract like uh, very top talent, you might need to find uh, hard to just find that talent within your network, and you'll have to go beyond that probably. Uh, to try to get some uh, professionals or like some people with relevant experience to help you scale up the startup. That makes sense. So, you know, we obviously talked about the formation of, of a startup and some of the factors that are important, but what would you say, you know, as they move forward, what would you say are some of the uh, common principles uh, that have been followed across multiple successful startups that, that you've seen? Uh, that that put them up there compared to others who who didn't make it. Let's say after three to five years of formation. Yeah. Um, again, like there are many research that show many different things. Uh, personally, I believe that a startup is a very long journey and difficult one, as I already said. And the thing that's gonna to make the real difference uh, is again, like gonna, I'm gonna to say again, the team because it doesn't really matter, as I said before, again, uh, the idea or the kind of, uh, uh, let, let's say, let's call it the idea, but it's all about the execution because we, we can spend hours, months, years thinking about the startup idea, but then if you're not good at executing it, you lose a lot on it and it doesn't really matter. Your idea is not worth anything until you execute it. Um, so I think like, and, and this is something I'd like to really spread out to everyone who's listening. It's like, be sure that your team is very strong and is able to execute the idea and is able to execute what yeah, the startup idea is. Uh, because that's gonna to make a huge difference really in the success of the startups, potential success of the startup. Interesting. And so we talked about the team, right? Uh, now, yeah. when it comes to the product, it does seem like a lot of startups build the product first and then go on to find, you know, the right market for it. And it's been proven time and again that the reverse of this situation is, is what's, what's the best way to go. So you talked about design thinking as well, and I think it does tie to this, to this conversation. So what is design thinking exactly? Yeah, sure, sure. So design thinking uh, was firstly introduced by the D school at Stanford University. And the design thinking is just this kind of theory or like process of thinking that wants to look at the, the ideation of a product from a designer perspective. So with design thinking, what you try to understand is like how, the, how your customers or how your target audience is feeling mm -hmm. and what they see. So what you try to do is really putting your feet in their shoes and understanding their needs first. And once you have a very good understanding of what your target audience has and feels, just at that point, you can then be certain that the product you are developing or the service you're developing can really satisfy those needs. And that's why design thinking is becoming so important in the business context nowadays, because it really allows companies and startups to better understand their customers and be able to tailor the solution to the target audience, uh, which is very important. And what you were saying is very correct about uh, in, the, in the past, companies were 
more likely to create the product and then try to sell it. Whereas now the inverse process is preferable. And that's again, uh, kind of, it, it, uh, it's about the agile methodology. Uh, and that's something very important as well. Like uh, we need to kind of change the thought that you need to create a product and then sell it. What you need to do is really create the product with your customers so that you are set. And then once you are finished and you can put it on the market, your customers will come to you and they buy it because they know it's a product made for them, which is another very important aspect for the success of a startup. Really, do you think this? Do you think agile methodology and working hand in hand with customers is something that is going to be important even moving into the future as well? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a way of saying like fail and fail fast. Uh, so I'd say you have an idea. This is how it works. Like you have an idea, you want to get to the minimum viable product as soon as possible, wasting as little resources and time as possible. Once you have your MVP, what you want to do is to test with your target audience. So you can identify, I don't know, uh, a sample of your target audience and then you present your product. And you need to start this kind of like loop where you ask for feedback from your target audience, then uh, how to say work again on your prototype uh, present the improved version of your product, get feedback again, and continue this process almost endlessly uh, until you feel comfortable enough to launch the product on the market and you know that customers will buy it because they've been like part of the, your journey and they know like that the product they're going to have to buy something that they find very useful because they told you what they need and they told you what they, they want to buy on the market. So I definitely think this is a kind of methodology that it's going to be very needed. It's already needed in the present, but it's going to be very important also going forward. Uh, and, and I think like corporates level, they don't really understand yet this kind of importance. Uh, corporate levels, uh, corporates and large organizations are still focused on these like big projects where they try to make something big and then they try to launch it without actually, how to say, getting the feedback of the target audience first in order to build a tailored uh, product. Yeah, what uh, I've experienced with corporate as well is, you know, they, they have very big lofty plans, but very rarely do you see that they bring in the end customer uh, at the table as well to yes. see what they think. No, no, I uh, and that's like, from a certain perspective, I can understand why corporates and the large organizations do that. But at the same time, they really lack uh, an important aspect, which is what you're saying, the end customer. And that's why I think startups are becoming so successful as well. It's because they find the gap in the kind of uh, system. So what, what startups do, they create products that people like. And, and, and we can see it in the fintech industry, for example. So in London, there have been like all these online banking startups uh, growing and blossoming in the last uh, past five years. Uh, and what they, they focused on, first of all, was generally to create a product, a banking system that allowed people to transfer money and convert uh, currencies very easily. And that, that they started doing that just because they knew that their customers had the problem. Like every student who comes to the UK has to convert from euros or their own uh, country currency to pounds. And that's an asset also. And, and we know that the world is going to, people around the world uh, are traveling a lot. 
like not specifically at this moment in time because of COVID, but like we can say that generally people travel a lot. And and the thing of uh, exchanging currency is, is a nassle really, even if you just go on holiday. And what the Revolut, Monzo, TransferWise, and all these kind of fintech companies have done is just tackling that precise problem that consumer had and that banks were overlooking because they didn't have the time to focus on that. Hmm. That's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, this, this reminds me of something I was, I was curious to know as well. Um, you know, talking about successful startups, have you found any pattern based on the teams that we were talking about between the difference uh, of a technical and a non-technical founder? So sometimes this is a roadblock to many people as well. They say, oh, I'm not technical, so I can't necessarily go ahead and build this uh, product or give this service. How much does that play into this? Yeah, it's, it's another very logic question. Uh, of course, like if, if you want to create an app uh, or if you want to create some technical service, if you, are, if you have a technical background, that's going to help a lot. But again, that's, that's, that's how to say, it doesn't block you from actually uh, being successful with your startup as well. It comes down really from your motivation and your determination to get things done. And, and I'll tell about this, experience, uh, this uh, example. So Canva CEO, um, she, she didn't have any technical background and uh, she, had, uh, she pitched her idea to a couple of VC in the, in the Silicon Valley. Uh, and the guys from Silicon Valley told her, look, your idea sounds great, but you don't have a tech team behind you to execute the idea. Mm. Uh, and we won't invest in you until you find it. And so what she did, she, she generally spent the next three to six months, if I remember correctly, trying to find and hiring the, the technical team. And when she had the technical team, then the investor actually funded the, the startups and Canvas become a super successful worldwide right now. So it's again like, of course, probably uh, having a technical background can help you developing a specific technical service uh, or a technical startups, but that doesn't preclude that you can't have a successful technical startups, even if you don't have a technical background. Uh, I think entrepreneurs can do whatever they want and then generally believe it. Um, it comes down really to your determination and your motivation to do stuff. It's not an easy journey. Uh, you can't expect to have your startup ready successful from in the next six months. Uh, you need to play the long term. We are not doing a race. It's a marathon. Uh, and as long as you're willing to put in the effort and put in a lot of work into it, uh, you'll eventually succeed in it, independently from the background you have. Uh, that's a that's a good point. That's that's definitely a good point. And um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to starting uh, a company or you know a startup, it's it's very important, like you said, to think of it as a marathon, not a not a race, because it's it's a long journey ahead, and it seems like people are learning that though, right? There there is an influx of people or population of people who are quitting their, their job to go ahead and start their own ventures. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, I'm just trying to think how, how to put this in the right words. Uh, but, but definitely like 
we we have like this myth of the startups from the Silicon Valley, like Facebook, Apple, and we think of, about these startups as like super successful uh, in 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 a very short time. But the, but the reality is that those kind of companies are probably the one percent of, of of all the startups that you can find in the world, and and most startups actually needs to go through many years of hard work before actually being successful or reaching that status of being successful. Uh, and that's something very important to, to think about as well when you start your startups. Like when, when you make the decision to start your own venture, you also need to be very willing to put in the effort to stay with it for, for at least like a two, three years time because uh, they, they kind of list the scheme uh, get rich quickly uh, doesn't really exist and it doesn't apply to startups for sure yeah definitely so i'm curious quick question for you um since let's say 2005 2006 until now what do you think is the coolest product or, or coolest startup the one that's had the most impact uh on us wow that's that's a big question <laughs> Um, okay. I mean, that there's been so much innovation. Uh, if you think about in 2005, we didn't have the iPhone. So think how much innovation really progressed our society. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to say YouTube, which was funded, I think 2008, uh, 2009. Uh, and that's mainly because YouTube has been able to grow such a massive community and, uh, I like the story of YouTube because it's again, the founding team were technical people and what they were trying to do was generally like helping people to upload video online and to do some, um, uh, and to keep some uh, space so that you could save uh, your videos online. Mm -hmm. and, and they were doing that for passion. They didn't really think that that was going to be like super successful. And that's, that's, that's the story I believe uh, every startup should have. Like you shouldn't never start uh, your journey because you want to get rich. Of course, that's part of the journey and that's what, what a part uh, of uh, the attractiveness of starting your own company. But first of all, you really need to do something you're passionate about uh, because you're going to, as I said, it's going to be a stressful journey and it's going to be a long journey as well. And if you don't love what you're doing, it's very unlikely that you... Uh, you'll enjoy the entire journey, which is very sad because you would be wasting just time and years of your life. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I would say YouTube also because now it's massive. Uh, people are doing so much on YouTube. Uh, I love how also like how YouTube has become this kind of middleman between content creators and uh, viewers, uh, which I think is very fascinating. Uh, if, if, I, if, if I have to think about the future, I think like that would be, many more content creators than there is right now um, because people will start doing what they're passionate about without really caring about oh i need to i don't know uh how to say again um content creation is something super important in our society i believe and, and that's because it's inspiring it's educational and and it comes across as genuine on platforms such as youtube yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. YouTube has been very impactful uh, in, the, in the past decade for sure. And it's almost turned into this uh, online university. If, if you really do fall on the right side of YouTube and uh, are educating yourself with 
some some useful content that it provides and so it's very yeah, interesting and important. But, but, but again like there's been so much going on since 2005 like even whatsapp uh and then like early early like more recently all the fintech wave of startups uh there's been so much like i said youtube but <laughs> i have to say it's very difficult to find the one yeah, of course of course no no it's tough which which one is your favorite mine yeah well my favorite innovation or at least i the, the most impactful uh innovation that I think we've had would really be the, the iPhone, but obviously mm. that's that's very cliche. But yeah. at, at the same time, I think that it is because it's it's opened up the gates to you know uh, the next generation of of super computers, mini super computers, right in our pockets, right? Yeah. No, no, I I totally agree. That's another thing, and and if I can add on this, actually, I think like the next wave of very important innovation like i know many people talk about healthcare which is very important uh, they talk about automation in the agriculture sector which is very important as well but i'm very curious and uh, very obsessed about the space exploration mm -hmm. i think there's going to be a huge curve in it in terms of uh, both like the number of startups that are going to focus on that area in terms of funding going to that industry and, and I'm just very curious to see how it's going to evolve in the next years, because I think it's going to be massive. Yeah, you're right, because costs are also going to decrease. So yeah, the, exactly. the gates will open to research and development. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in contact with a couple of startups who work in the industry from the US, and, and, and these people are doing something super great. There's also Google, who has a project with uh, Google Factory, where they develop these magnificent innovation and they're trying to and they're building some aerostatic balloons are balloons that float in the low orbit and bring connectivity also in the desert of sahara for example uh, and and i think like we're going to do so many amazing stuff in the space in the orbit which we don't really know yet but they're going to be super impactful in the next 50 100 years yeah, and uh, right now leading the way would really be Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, right? Yeah, yeah. Elon Musk is doing something amazing. Uh, with, with the concept already of kind of saving the rocket to, to reuse it, uh, that, that drastically reduces the cost of launching in the space. Uh, and, and, and that's just the beginning. Uh, I think we are just seeing the point of the iceberg, uh, but much more is going to come out uh, in the next... 20 50 years yeah i mean think about it in the past 15 years like you said you know 2005 2006 there was no iphone yeah iPhone totally. in 2007 and then from then until now we've had exponential growth across uh, a lot of different areas no no totally agree on that it, well, although I, must, I must say it's it's a lot of growth only within the technological space it space not a lot within healthcare or education yeah and, and that's i think because um that's that's there's been like as you said a very focus on tech uh, mm -hmm. software and things like that uh, but i think like that was again the kind of beginning we needed to develop the right technology to go with it but i'm seeing right now a more like democratization of these technologies in different industries you say in the healthcare system 
uh, in the agriculture. Uh, the agri-tech uh, market is going to be huge as well. I know about like at least 10 to 15 startups are working on some agri-tech agri uh, solutions that enables us, first of all, to have uh, higher yields of crops from the same land. But also, I think I'm sure you heard about it, like vertical farming. Uh, yep. It's it's going to be massive. I, I just wrote about farming. Yeah. Yeah, I've just wrote. The, yeah, exactly what you were saying. Like I wrote last week about this, uh, about this company from the UK who wants to, who's creating, who's developing robots that can manage entire crop fields by themselves without no one actually having to take care of them. So that that would be also like you know, uh, some places where the robot can recharge during the night. And then the next day they can start autonomously to, to crop and farm. Uh, and that's again, something super inspiring. Interesting. I want to, I want to open up uh, on this a little more because it seems like you also know about this. So you said agri-tech, right? Yeah. It is growing. And what are some of the trends that, that you're seeing? Do you think that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a, dramatic improvement in in this in this field oh absolutely uh that that's going to be massive and that's mainly because the world is facing uh, the world population is facing some problem with foods because if if our population keeps growing at the same rates we, we've experienced in the last uh, few years we won't have enough land to grow enough crops to feed the entire population mm. and i think a new wave of agritech companies and innovation will certainly uh, blossom in the next 10 years and what they'll be focusing on will be like increasing the efficiency of land use and making a better place uh, a better use of uh, urban spaces to grow uh, um, uh, food uh, another interesting uh, trend in the industry is also like um, companies such as beyond meat who are trying to substitute meat uh, with uh, plant-based meat uh, and that's going to be something very interesting also because it will reduce drastically the use of water for meat production mm -hmm. and it will be much more sustainable than current solutions and so that's definitely going to be another very interesting area of discoveries yeah yeah beyond meat uh Beyond Meat is interesting. Their stocks are not doing very well right now, but uh, hoping that yeah, I know they turn around. No, no, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I always like to look in the long term. Yeah, because as I said, it's a marathon, and I think like what Beyond Meat and the other companies are doing is is the right thing to do, and 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 it will be adopted eventually in the the near future. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Hopefully, that's the case. Um, yeah. It seems like Zoom is telling me we uh, we have about six minutes left. Yeah. So I just wanted to thank you for for coming on. I definitely want to have uh, some future conversations with you, more focused on uh, one specific area. This was more, you know, a, a yeah, general, general introductory uh, caller session. But do you have any anything else that uh, you mm -hmm. want to say? Any closing remarks? It was, you know, it was great to talk uh, and thank you very much for inviting me again. Uh, for sure, like, uh, I'm more than happy to talk about, uh, again, the future together. 
like if you just like let me know a bit in advance which area we want to talk about i can do a bit of research and and say some interesting stuff uh, and the last thing was was like uh, I, i'll let you know like um i'm launching the newsletter as i was telling you uh, probably like uh, early february if you can that include it in the description of the podcast oh, of course yeah, yeah the newsletters that's yeah cool. yeah okay. but, but, but no it was fantastic it was great it was good well thanks for uh, thanks for coming on really appreciate it man no worries at all thank you very much talk to you soon bye 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 bye